Whoa, we're starting already. Step to the left, no to the right. Oh, now back. How are they lunging like that? Turn around? How did I let Jen convince me to come here? Wait, now do what? How are they doing that? You know what? I'm just going to pretend I know what I'm doing in this class and have fun. Fearless is being the only newbie in class. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits, tools, and wellness programs at fepblue.org slash getactive. The first show for Horse Not Society Horse Radio. The funeral is about to begin. Sir. The calling hours. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? HorseSociety.com. Tonight, my guests are the infamous Chris McGiven and Todd Loya of Creep Show Radio. Gentlemen, say hello. Good evening. So, what's new, man? Much in progress, by the way. <laughs> he is just <laughs> sidetracked. Um, I'm nothing much. Uh, good to be here. How, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited. You know, all those times you guys let me help out and be on your radio show, I appreciate it. You know, I want you to know that there there will be a good rapport between Creep Show and Horror Society, and I hope to have you guys on a lot more. Yes, I'm always willing. Well, since since we're waiting on Chris, um, Todd, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got into what we're doing today. Oh, well, okay. Well, I'm a lifetime horror fan, you know, since way back. I don't want to date myself, but I I think my earliest horror memories go back to the original Chainsaw. And uh, I, I know my first theatrical horror film was Nightmare on Elm Street 2 on a double bill with uh, with uh, Dead Time Stories. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm pretty much. I, I I can I consider myself more of an exploitation fan first, and horror just falls right in there. <laughs> right. Um, can you tell everyone how you, how you met up with Chris and how you guys started Creep Show Radio? I, I wasn't Creep Show Radio, but um, I I met Chris um, on an old website I used to to run that shall remain nameless, and uh, he had purchased some. <laughs> He had purchased something for me, and, you know, we just started talking about horror films. And 
Uh, you know, actually, out of that, a friendship grew, and then he started uh, Creep Show, and I just kind of jumped on somewhere along the lines when they went to the weekly format, and started off on the Friday night show, and slowly but surely got bumped up to the Thursday night show, which has always been the flagship show. Um, and it's been cracking ever since. I don't know. It's, it's been a while now. I can't even remember how it all got started, but the that's the short and, short and skinny of that. Chris would be better on, on the origins of Creepstar Radio than I would, because like I said, I jumped in a little bit after the start. Okay. Well, Chris, you know, um, we'll, hopefully Chris will be here by the time we get to the interview. To let everyone know what we're go- we're going to be doing here this evening, tonight our main guests are going to be Matt Farnsworth and Diane Foster, uh, the brilliant minds behind what I consider to be one of the modern slasher masterpieces, The Orphan Killer. Um, in our horror movie section, we're going to be covering some horror movie toys this evening. We're going to discuss... Uh, two DVD releases that are coming up, and we're going to talk about the uncut version of The Wicker Man for a short while. And towards the end of the show, we will have our one of our feature sections, uh, presented by Metal Blade, actually. It's uh, Metal Mayhem, Scriptures and Screams. Tonight's band will be Cannibal Corpse. And when we close the show, it will give you a hint as to who next week's musical test uh, guest is going to be. But... Um, since we're waiting on Chris, I think we can start talking about toys. Even though we're grown men, we we still love to collect <laughs> toys. This is uh, true. The first toy I want to bring up, and we'll be talking about toys with Matt Farnsworth and Diane later as well. But I'm interested in this uh, NECA's 8-bit Freddy Krueger based on the 1989 NES game. If anyone remembers, which you remember what con it was where they did the Jason? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was at Comic Con just this past uh, past month, I think it it was now. Okay, if you go online, not to show other sites, but you know, a source is a source. Bloody disgusting has some incredible, incredible pictures of the box art, and while you you know it looks like it glows in the dark and everything, kind of like the uh, the Jason did. It's it's just cool to me now that that these toy makers are going back and. And bringing back some of these more classic figures. If you remember, um, if you remember, I believe that Jason was originally supposed to be the only one done like this. Yeah. And now, now if we want to get picky, now granted it wasn't in an Atari, or I mean it wasn't a Nintendo release, but I mean we did have Texas Chainsaw and Halloween on the original Ataris. I mean, what do you I, think, Todd? What do you think about this figure? Well, one thing real quick, I have to mention. I don't know if you saw, and it, it, someone had posted their version of the 8-bit Michael Myers, which was made of Legos and looked dead on of the game because, you know, they were just blocks back then. I I thought it was really clever. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember where I saw it, but it's somewhere out there on the Internet. Uh, But I thought that was clever. Um, I think it's actually pretty cool, especially the Jason one. I don't know if you've actually seen it up close. I haven't seen it Um, in person. I didn't know anyone that went out to the con, so. Uh, Well, the thing about that was, uh, NECA or NECA, they always release a few online. So some manage, like, who, uh, you know, most of the people I know who got a hold of them did not make it to Comic-Con because that's a, a mission on its own. But it, it looks really cool. I mean, the box art 
or well, yeah, the the classic, you know, Nintendo box. I mean, really makes. I think the packaging is what really sold those for me. Right. Um. And plus, I I still play the both of those games, even as horrible as the Nightmare on Elm Street one is. Um, yeah, but still, I mean, just to have them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny if you sit here and look today. They can't get the rights together to make any games like that. No. I mean, if no, you look at can't. movie tie-in games, we don't we don't get horror movie games like that, you know. And it, and it's a shame because we have the MA rating. But I mean, you know, I've yeah, always been I, I've always been a proponent of wanting to see like a Mortal Kombat version. Just put all the movie monsters in there. Yeah, I know there was one someone made online that's actually pretty good that has all of them. It's, of course, unauthorized, but I, I know Chris has told me about it. I, I don't know where to find it, not that I'm saying go seek it out since it is unauthorized. But, um, uh, yeah, definitely, that would be something that would be really, really, you know, cool, especially for fans, you know, do Street Fighter style um, or Mortal Kombat style. Didn't... Never, didn't the nightmare, the remake Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy end up in like the most recent Mortal Kombat? Yeah, memory? his character did. Yeah, the last one. Okay. Yeah, I, I was trying yeah. to. My brain was kind of working as I was saying Mortal Kombat. So I was just kind of popped in there. Um, I, I think the last like tie. No, I was going to say I think the last tie-in game that they did. I mean, I, I know the Evil Dead games pop up once in a while, but I, I know there was a Land of the Dead game on Xbox. I remember playing that, and at the time, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it doesn't hold up as well today, of course, but... Yeah, I think it's probably with a lot of them, like a lot of those horror games from, from back then, um, is they weren't that good. <laughs> like the, the NES ones, and um, I've never actually played the Chainsaw one. I have played the Halloween one for the Atari, and yeah, they weren't... <laughs> We're going to have to track them down and play them. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping one day that can happen. I mean, I mean, Warner Brother holds no; they only hold the rights to, to Freddy and Jason now. So I'm saying they could do something with those characters. I mean, it seems like well, I, I, I wish, I wish to, they would. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer to you know, you know, cast. I know parents are afraid of getting her getting. Or you know the video games are afraid of getting sued by parents. So, well, to <laughs> yeah, close out the, uh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking Call of Duty so much better. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's military based. That makes it okay. So. I, oh, that that is true. I, I did forget. <laughs> so to close up on the Freddy figure, just to give you a few more specs about it, it will be a fully articulated seven-inch figure. Um, comes in a special window packaging like the Jason character did. And it will be available this November, so you can check that out at NECA's official website, or you can check the article over on bloodydisgusting.com. But staying in the same line, NECA is also has also leaked some photos for the Alien Nostromo spacesuit. Have you seen those yet? Um, I'm actually double checking which okay, yes. I, I I'm looking at them now. <laughs> See, and this was uh, apparently also reported out of the San Diego Comic Con in July. They're getting ready for the thirty fifth anniversary of Ridley Scott's Alien. So what they're doing is is they're they're gonna be doing seven inch figures of characters from the film. 
Captain Dallas in the Nostromo spacesuit is confirmed. Kane and Jones the cat. Um, the cat will come packaged with another figure. As an interesting note, though, those of you looking for Sigourney Weaver as Ripley will not get that character. Sigourney Weaver will not sign over her likeness to be a part of the series, which is kind of sad. I've always thought having Sigourney Weaver in, in that little half shirt and her panties as she's getting ready for hypersleep <laughs> would have been the ultimate character. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on, yeah. on how the sculpts looked, and what, what do you think about Sigourney not wanting to be a part of the series? That is actually, you know, for something like that, it makes me hard to want to collect them without being able to get a Ripley figure. Oh, um, for sure. Uh, I'm looking at them now. Um, I think the sculpts are fantastic. This, yeah. Is this the same line? No, this is not, because I know they're doing the reproduction of the the 79 Kenner alien. Um and the original figures that were supposed to come out after, is that NECA also? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about this. I mean, I know these You know, these are the same guys that did, like, you know, the Freddy and the Jason one. Right. Um, but I don't know if they have anything to do. These are going to be the 7-inch. I think the Kenner ones weren't that big, were they? No, they were like standard. They were, they were more Star Wars-sized, I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And those, because uh, I saw those come out of Comic-Con also, there will be a Ripley in that, but I think the difference is it doesn't look like Ripley, like Sigourney they used Weaver. to do back. Yeah, thank you. So it doesn't look like Sigourney Weaver. So I know they used to do that a, lo- a lot of times with the other toys. I don't remember uh, Luke Skywalker looking... Luke Skywalker looking that much like Mark Hamill. <laughs> well, no, I mean I'll, I'll give you credit on that one. I agree. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, know I mean, you know, there's rumor that for for the Prometheus, the the sequel or whatever they're going to do with that. I mean, there had been rumblings that Sigourney Weaver was interested in being part of a prequel to Alien. Right. So I mean, I find it kind of. I mean, what do you? I mean, what would you think her objection would be to being a figurine? Maybe they asked it if it could be that particular figure. I don't know. You know, she was could maybe be. she was offended by that, but <laughs> could be. I mean, it would seem odd. You figure a marketing? I mean, something like that. I mean, that's a guaranteed money maker. It's not like you're going to walk into Kmart eight months after release and there's going to be a hundred of these sitting on the shelf. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. It could be a financial thing. You know, uh, I mean, have, I guess so. But it seems like never these got, companies pay out the money for these rights anyway. Yeah, but you also think we've never got a Laurie Strode figure either. Well, I mean, but I mean that's kind of that kind of goes hand in hand, though. I mean, on when we had our discussion on Creepshow Radio, when uh, Scream Factory released The Fog on her DVD com- yeah. commentary interview, you know. She, we all know this. She's she has basically ignored that part of her career up until now. Now that the, right. now that the anniversary edition of Halloween is coming out, now all of a sudden she's starting to get more and more involved. This, I mean, this, I'm, this is true. And I'm sure there are bootleg characters of Jamie Lee Curtis somewhere out there. <laughs> you you I, yeah, I wouldn't find that hard to believe. <laughs> you know, I just I, I refuse to believe that that's not going on somewhere. Well, I, well, I think those are custom, custom figures. That's what they go with. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, still, I mean, 
Yeah. Back in the day, before you know, before wrestling figures really got big, I know people that were that were rigging up fake ones of those for the longest time. Yes, I do remember that era too. And now they can pretty much go buy anyone you want. <laughs> well, yeah. Nowadays, I mean, hell, they come out with like ninety series a year anyway. So yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well. I want to wait for Chris for the last one, so if he doesn't call in for this, it's too bad. So we're gonna we're gonna jump to the source material being found for the definitive version of the Wicker Man. According to several sources, um, Robin Hardy's classic, The Wicker Man, is going to be returning to the UK and US theaters this fall in a director's cut that is going to be restored by Studio Canal. Um, it's going to be a 92-minute version, and it's for the 40th anniversary of the film. Now, we got to see this re-release not that long ago. I believe it was on Blu-ray. And, of course, we had the terrible remake with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this? They're basically calling it The Wicker Man, The Final Cut. Yeah. With the uh, theatrical release, do you think this is going to have this going to do anything in the U.S. theaters, or what do you think about I, this? I'm thinking we're going to get a few art house screenings. You know, maybe one in L.A., one in New York. I don't, you know, foresee any kind of wide release for this. I mean, if you look at the number of theaters that did Halloween last year and doing Halloween this year, I mean, and that's an, an American horror classic. I don't. I don't see it doing huge, you know, screens out here. I, I think it's for the call. I've always been a fan of The Wicker Man. I'm really anticipating checking this out. Um, I know it's actually already slated for a Blu-ray release in October in the U.K. So mm-hmm. I don't know how soon it will start getting screened yeah, According out there. to the article source, it's going to open in New York City at the IFC Center on September 27th. From there, it goes to Chicago, Pittsburgh, Long Island, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Houston, Denver, and more all throughout the fall. And you're right, the UK 40th anniversary Blu-ray is out on October the 13th. Yeah. I may just have to import that one if I don't want to wait. <laughs> oh, well, well, of course, of course. Now, with this, now let, let's go in this vein for a while. With the advent of Blu-ray and with all the special releases and stuff that are being released, you know how we're always hearing these arguments now from directors, and we can throw the new Evil Dead remake or re-imaging, whatever you want to call it, into this. All of these directors are now saying in these companies, oh, well, there is no there is no uncut material, especially for the older films. Right. Uh, but with you know, but with the newer ones, you know, the director said there is no uncut missing footage from Evil Dead yet. In the, what was it in the in the pre-release? There was footage that wasn't in the theatrical. And with right. Paramount releasing the new Friday the th- or the Friday the Thirteenth box set that's coming out, you know, again that's going around. Oh, we have all the footage. We have all the footage. And we're talking about a film here now that's forty years old with the Wicker Man. And what did they do? They went through the vaults, they cleaned them out, and they found the footage. Do you think something like this is going to start inspiring more of these older films to look for the unreleased footage and re-release them? I don't. Like stateside, I don't foresee it as long as huge corporations hold those assets and rights. Um, They just don't care enough. I mean... 
if you look at if you look at uh, Jason Goes to Hell being cut in the box set, even though it's been uncut for uncut for years in on DVD and VHS. Well, I mean, I, I go back to part seven. You know, I still want to see the doctor get it with the bush hog, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, from everything that I've read, and you know, and I've heard the footage exists somewhere. You know, of of the guy's entrails and guts being ripped out while Jason's sawing him in the stomach with it. Yeah. Uh, is, did that footage make it onto the, the on from the workprint footage on the VHS? I'm trying to remember if that's like what on parts. So you talking about on part seven? To, to the best of my knowledge, that footage is not available in anything that's been released to the public. Because okay. I think I own almost every version of Friday the 13th in all its formats. And I don't ever remember. I mean, they say that it's not like a quick thing either. It's like the thing wraps around the blade and basically rips out of his stomach. Okay. So, I mean, if that was something I had seen on video, I'd, I think I would remember seeing that. No, I meant the deleted the deleted. The... Oh no, I don't remember seeing it on the deleted scenes either. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't. I just don't ever remember seeing that. That is something I, I just my memory sometimes, you know, too many, too much hot barley. Sometimes I forget. Uh, but Chris is here with us now, Bobby. Yo. Oh, Chris, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you just fine, sir. Chris McGiven, my other guest host, is on now. Chris, at this time, if you would, would you please tell everyone uh, what you're famous for, how you got into it, and how you and Todd started Creepshow Radio? Well, I don't know if I'm famous for it, uh, but uh, I guess I'm known for it. Uh, I do have a, uh, a horror blog radio show, Creepshow Radio. Um, I also am the person who can make video games on Come out through Stream Factory, uh, subsequently Stream Factory on Blu Ray, and uh, I moderate the commentaries for those. Uh, kind of it. I mean, I started Creep Show three years ago. Three years? Three years? I, I, like I told him, I wasn't there for. I mean, I was around, but I was not the show after. Four. I can't remember. It was whenever we, it was the summer after I worked on the Help Helpers, I met my original co host. I think that was in like 2000. You're breaking up, brother. Oh, you hear me now? That's better. Better? All right. I'll stop moving. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I've been doing a picture right now for three to four years. And, um, you know, it was, it was just two guys who wanted to talk horror and going to a much bigger animal. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I don't know what else, know what else I'm bad at selling. <laughs> Well, just uh, we'll catch you up to speed real quick, because I know you probably looked at the links I sent. Um, Todd and I have discussed the NECA's 8-bit Freddy Krueger and the Alien Nostromo spacesuit toys. Okay. I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were on those. Well, I pre-ordered the, the Freddy Krueger already, because I have to chase one, so I figured I need to match the stuff. Um, well, of course. Yeah, Um you know, I, I'm, I like the I, I I liked the idea when I heard it. I had heard through a couple of folks that you know it had been brought up at Comic Con um, that NECA wanted to do uh, that. You know, the people wanted to see NECA do the Freddy 8-bit figure based 
game. And, because, you know, a lot of people said you kind of saw the light bulb go off in their heads, like, oh, we really, you know, kind of make sense to do this. We should do this. So I'm glad that they did it. Like I said, I pre-ordered it. I had to have the massive set. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I really hope, though, they don't go on the ideas of making other 8-bit horror. I already brought up the Lego one. Like, uh, like uh, you know, like a leather-based <laughs> Halloween horror games. That's just, that's just not, it's, you know, that to me it's a little excessive. But, um, I think it's a really cool idea. It's really unique, too. It's a very unique figure, and I like the fact that they're limited figures. They're not being released in stores to come on the cool video game box. It just adds a little bit of extra to it and a little bit of of a, of a need to it. So, Can, can I uh, throw out there, I'd like to see a third one from Fox Duties again. And the other, the, other, the other bit was the alien. Yes? It looks cool. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of aliens. I, lo- I like them a lot. I never loved them. Well, one of the things that Todd and I talked about was, you know, they're doing the Captain Dallas in the spacesuit, they're doing Kane, and they're doing Jones the cat, and the cat will come with a figure. However, Sigourney Weaver will, will not sign her likeness over for a character in the series. What do you think about that? Um... Because sure. we had discussed if you were going to do a pic, uh, you know, a figure of her, it should be the one of her in like the short T-shirt and her panties when she's getting ready to get in the sleep chamber. Um, I mean, what guy wouldn't uh, order that figure, right? Uh, this one. Uh, I'm a different, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but um, I, uh, I, um, maybe they can make it a variant. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, people are so weird about that stuff. That's the movie that really kind of helped to launch her career and really get her into the spotlight. That's the franchise that she was a part of. Um, I don't know. Some people are just rude about that shit, and it's it's it, who knows the specifics of the situation. Maybe the money wasn't good, or maybe uh, maybe she felt like that the uh, the figure it was pointless to kind of do them at this point. I don't know. It, 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 it's all speculation until she kind of comes out and says something, which I highly doubt she will. Most people don't tend to explain why they refuse to sign a contract. Or Strange. Okay, and the last bit of news before we get to the last bit of new news, we were discussing the Wicker Man's return to the U.K. and U.S. theaters this fall with the uncut version. Cool. So we were wondering what you, what you pretty much what you thought about that as well. It's going to be a 92-minute version for uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary. I think and like one of the things that we – what's that? I think stuff like that is fantastic. I think uh, – Giving the public a version of the movie they love, or um, in a form they're not used to seeing it or wanting to see it, and actually putting it back on the big screen is something I wouldn't mind seeing uh, more than a handful of movies. I have to throw in one thing: as long as the original version of the film it still exists, I'm cool with whatever. It's always going to exist. No, but there's other examples where they don't. Like what? Really, Star Wars really. They exist, they're just not out. There are, there was, those versions were on DVD. Okay. They're not yeah. on Blu-ray. Okay. Were they not top three, the original version of the X? That's not top three either. The original DVD has that version. Okay. Yes, but they're not doing it anymore because it's gone. Well, they're not, but I'm saying it's not gone forever. It's not like it, it's not on a digital format. It's not like something like... Um, uh, Curse of the Screaming Dead, where the film elements are gone. The only okay, you know, yeah, but you're doing a different argument. Okay, when the version and they're only doing one, like look at the extra set, the, the last 
And, if, you know, if you're a completist like like we pretty much are as collectors, I mean, you know, you got to have them all. It's kind of kind of like damn Pokemon for some reason. I hadn't figured that part out yet, but... Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what do you think about... What do you think about the treatment they're giving the discs? I mean, it sounds like they are going... I mean, to give Maniac Cop 2 a 7.1 soundtrack to go through all that, I mean, you're putting in some work to do that. Well, you have to remember, Bill, Bill Lessing owns the Lessing so it's no surprise that he's going off that. Since he's finally got the right to put his own films out. Uh, right. I, I'm not surprised. I, I'm very thrilled to finally get those. Um, yeah, I who else was going to get Uncle Sam Blu-ray? Okay, that one I can't even argue. While I enjoy Uncle Sam, it's it's definitely one no other company would have done that for. I'd actually like to see them get the rights to the first one back, uh, or get the rights to the first one so they could have you know, they could have all three of the films. <laughs> but well, I mean, this, that, there's speculation going around right now that um, they're remaking it, aren't they? Have you heard that? I've heard that about that one or that one being remade. Uh, it's, but that's one that's been a long time coming, though. That was, I think, even announced before the Maniac remake was kind of official. I think that um, uh, there was talk about it because there was the, uh, 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 there's that one. I, I know. Uh, that I <laughs> Okay. Do you guys have any horror news that you would like to share before we start getting into a few other things? Um, only thing I, I have is that I saw today that uh, that, that might sp- uh, spark a little bit of a, of a controversy, so to speak. So what I already mentioned. There is a mystic dimension. Oh, yeah, they not already given to it. I phoned the bus. Yeah, but go ahead. No, finish. I no, I'm not going to finish because you already said it. I mentioned past it. Our readers kind of speculate not yet. As confirmed by someone on Blu-ray. Yeah, I but Friday the 13th is the uncut version, which we did speculate on our show that we thought that that didn't make any sense to be off the disc. Um, I actually canceled my um, I, you know, that was kind of like the final nail on the top. Everything about this set be streamed so far. I'm not spending 90 bucks on this so-so set. It really get eight movies because at this point now I would just be buying it for the first eight. And considering that I know Warner Brothers is eventually going to do them all separately or double features. See, that, to me, I okay. can't even say that. Because then where's the rest of our double feature number? I'm sure. This hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, but you know, that set was inexpensive. It wasn't that expensive. It was 50 bucks. This set's $90. And it's... It, 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 uh, yeah, haven't it, they already announced double features on a few? For, for in Canada, Canada got three and four and five and six as double features. Which means we'll eventually get them. That's just and even if we don't, there's there's an Yeah. Well, that's not all multilingual packages. That's yours. No. I'm I'm still getting the set. I already have the. Uh, He's got a pre-order, and I live with him. So if I decide I really want an offer, I get it. Then I can always get it. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen. In about 10 minutes, we should be joined by Matt Farnsworth and Diane Foster of the Orphan Killer. So we're going to take a about a five-music interlude here. Here is the first offering up from our Metal Mayhem from Century Media. Our artist this evening is Cannibal Corpse, 
And the first song by them this evening is going to be Evisceration Plague. Our 
you know, it's so hard, especially in, in the genre that we love. We hear so much about the next great slasher and, you know, a classic and this and that. You know, and I have to admit, over the years, I've been very disappointed. It, it's hard to hold up to a Michael or a Leatherface or a Jason or a Freddy, but I have to tell you, I, I really feel that Marcus from The Orphan Killer, I think this is our next franchise, man. I mean, it's... I mean, are you surprised how well the film has has been responded by by the fans and and by media alike? Mm, yeah, I would say it's been uh, it's out of control. It's not even uh, it's not even something that on a daily basis I can even really manage. It's it's amazing, um, dude. You've seen it. You've seen it go down. It's just it's outstanding, you know. And I can't say enough how much like i'm just like diane's like grabbing my phone and like putting it down because like the twitter feed is just going buzz, 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 buzz. it's like vibrating vibrating people are like message 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 like every you know few seconds so it's it's really fun fun and it's uh it it is a big deal you know it became a bigger deal than i guess i i probably could have imagined right diane when you when you say i mean i, mean, I can i can vouch for the twitter thing you know over the last week when i when i started promoting the show you have so many fans that have literally just melted my Twitter account. It is unreal. Today <laughs> today alone, I mean, there must have been – I lost track. I know it's over 350 tweets by your fans and you guys alone just about tonight. Yeah. You know, but yeah. That's, so, that's so awesome. That's, that's the TOK family, bro. That's what happens. They're, they're a part of the family now. So, you know, we, we – we're, we're really fortunate. We got these great people out there that, you know, found us and we found them and we connected with them and we have like a relationship where we hang out with our fans, you know, and we listen to every message that comes in, we read everything and we respond, you know, and so that is reciprocated in kindness, you know, and then they, they love what we do, they love the film and they, they help to promote, you know. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And um, properly introduce you to my co-hosts, um, of course, I have Chris McGibbon and Todd Loya. They are the people that run Creep Show Radio. Um, okay. Chris, in particular, uh, was responsible for getting the video dead released on Blu-ray through Scream Shout Factory. Oh, okay, very cool. Well, nice to meet you. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. You there? How you doing? <laughs> We're, we're here. We're, we're, we're waiting in the wings. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. Guys, feel, right. I also want to shout out Twitter. Um, just major shout out to those brothers and sisters because they really show the cruel love to us, and uh, they get the message out there about the orphan killer. So we really, really appreciate everything they do, and Facebook too. Got lots of brothers and sisters on there, so we it, really appreciate it, it. You know, the, the social media, I think, aspect of it, and we'll probably get into this, has made it you know, horror icon and, and a big one. And that's something that is largely was is I think largely overlooked by a lot of, you know, major productions. But today that's that's where it was. You know, that's where it is the icon of the download generation and that's what we're living in right now. Well since you went ahead and brought up the social media, I'll go ahead and jump into that end of it first. And then mm-hmm. uh like I said, if if Chris, if you and Todd have questions, man, just jump in. Don't don't be shy. But um with the social media aspect, I know, you know, when I had interviewed you guys earlier, we had talked about distribution, you know, going to a bigger company or, you know, or did, did Lionsgate or anybody ever approach you. And, and you guys decided to go with the self-release approach 
in you know taking the movie to festivals and to horror film conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Looking back on the on all of that now, with with the advent of social media and how you promoted it and how many people showed up, do you feel like the movie was received better? by how you promoted it as opposed to how a studio would have promoted it? Well, that's a good question. You know, um, obviously I can only assume, uh, but my assumptions are are that, yes, it is better that I release it the way I did. Um, had I gone with Lionsgate early on or, or Anchor Bay, both of which offered, by the way, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that... I, there was always, there's always a chance that with this great movie, this great piece of you know time and energy that you've put into this baby that you've you've created, this monster, that they're going to take that and have lack of care for that and put it up on a shelf. And all of a sudden, you know, all this hard work you've done and all these people that have cared for this project, you know, are just sort of put up on a shelf and and all that hard work is set aside. And that can happen. I'm not saying that would have happened. It but may have never been put out. It may have never. You, you, there's no guarantee. You know, you sign a contract and. You know, there, there's no guarantee in that, and there's not even a guarantee of you know financial reward or that they are going to market the film properly or that they're not going to cut out the parts that I like and then release it. You know, um, I didn't go deep in negotiation because I always knew that those were always going to be factors. They were going to be sticking points, and I was going to you know hold all my cards. And uh, I don't know, I just decided not to do it. And I'm glad I did. The the festivals came to me. That's what was so so odd about the whole process. The whole thing that kind of worked in reverse. Um, we, we, you know, the orphan killer started a Facebook account. You know, he was killing people, and he started putting pictures up of it. And then um, after he did that, people responded. They went crazy, you know, seeing still frames from the film. And then we said, we better release it. We better do some kind of release because people want to see this film now. They want and that was at about, what, 11,000, I like would ele- say? Like 11,000 fans. And so we did a little release uh, on Facebook. We put it out there. We did a little Blu-ray, you know, like a 2,000-piece run and 2,000... DVDs and immediately they were gone and then piracy started and we never even considered it but you know people in different countries all over the world were now seeing the film so you know these prestigious festivals obviously pirate films or must or I know people to do because people in Spain Sitges uh, San Sebastian yeah we were Morbidel. On, we were actually honored at Brigadoon the Brigadoon section of Sitges, which is really um a prestigious festival so anyway they started really to, they, they started to call us, man, and it was like it was crazy. I was getting emails all the time like, can you premiere your film here, Morbido Mexico, and then you know in the United States, so we decided to go that route, and you know I've never looked back, honestly, there was a moment in time there with the studio system. Diane and I, we went into Lionsgate, right? Well, actually, we first we met with Joe Roth at Revolution Studios. And, you know, Joe's a big-time, big-wig, you know, guy just produced Alice in Wonderland or what was that, The Wizard of Oz? Wizard too? of Oz, yeah. Uh, Return to Oz or whatever it was, James Franco, that movie. And he um, he called Lionsgate and said, you got to put this movie out. Um, so I talked to the president of Lionsgate. And, you know, we just kind of went around about it. And then they didn't respond to me sort of as quickly as we would like and so we, you know, took TOK in to Lionsgate Studios unannounced, just right into Santa Monica, walked through the front doors, past security, up to the top, and demanded to speak to acquisitions. I, I wanted my film back. Uh, I wanted it in my hands. I think they were having a conference during that table. Everybody, all the ladies in the conference table <laughs> sort of 
threw their books down and were like, oh, oh my gosh. They covered their they covered their faces at the. What is this bloody yeah. crazy monster doing in here? It was here? fantastic. They I were there to kill them all. They had a couch there, and and, and Marcus <laughs> just paced around the conference table, and then I laid down on the couch. They called security, and finally, um, who was the guy that came out? To, uh, public relations or somebody came out to to talk to me and and so you know we we kind of you know we sort of said hey you know we're going to do that we're going to we're going to send a clear message uh, obviously I got a phone call back the next day you know saying that you shouldn't bring a character that scary and frightening into a major studio and that was a dangerous thing to do and blah 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 and I just said hey whatever you know um obviously this is not going to be a thing for us so that's sort of how that went down well seeing as how popular the movie is now have any of those places tried to come back to you about picking the movie up? No, um, you know, I, I there, I've, I have, I have people who've been interested. You know, I did a deal in Germany, and I'm not supposed to say that because the film is banned in Germany. Um, but I did. Oh, we're I did gonna a deal get to that in a minute. <laughs> right. Well, it's being released through Austria and Switzerland. Yeah, it's being released through there. So I've been doing deals myself, um, you know, on, on that end, but. Speaking on that front, there there have been people that have approached us to represent the film to certain distributors. They want to sell the film internationally in the United States. So I have been meeting with those people, and I finally found some guys that I like that that see the, the film as Diane and I see it, which is their first words were, this is the next Halloween. This is the next thing for us. We really want to take this. And, and they're, they're a company that is trying to become a bigger distribution company, and um, they're in Hollywood. I mean, they're they're on the west side of Los Angeles. I mean, they're they're a big, you know they're a big deal um, already. But they need they need that big icon like a Saw or um, a Halloween. And so I'm 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 happy with them. We're we're talking right now. We're working together to to take the picture out. Okay. Well, I mean, let's let me bring this up then. Um, you guys just recently did a screening down in uh, is it how do you pronounce it? Merdia, Mexico, in a graveyard, um, wasn't it? Yeah, Mer- Merida. Um, it's uh, it was. That's through Morbido Film Festival, and Morbido is a really cool festival in Mexico. It takes place in I think four different states in Mexico, and Merida is the main. I think Mexico City and Merida are the main places it takes place. But they do. They screen it in a graveyard. They expected about 100 and 150 people to show up, and I think like 800 people float into the into the screening. Um, it was over capacity, and it was it was crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I have some more questions. Chris, Todd, do you guys want to jump in here? Um, well, I have one kind of, you know, in relation to the release, seeing is how the Blu-ray sold out so incredibly fast. Are there any talks of another printing of the Blu-ray? Yeah, actually, I was just today. I'm I'm talking about doing a special edition this time. Just just doing like a steel book with a nice packet inside that has, you know, a 10-page photo spread with, you know, an interview, and then also the soundtrack, um, new artwork, and a new menu with a few special features and things like that. Yeah, I'm one who missed out on the Blu-ray, and I'm looking forward to being able to finally pick it up. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. This is going to be really cool, because... You know, I'm working with uh, my my guy in Germany, and and people are loving the release. He did a an A, B, and a C side, uh, really cool versions of the film on Blu-ray with um, it's like a digital media book, 
and it opens up and there's actually an interview attached to the you know inside of it. it looks like a book and you open it up and it's it's really awesome looking and now this is going to be a steel book you know like the case where you open up the steel book and inside of it has all of the uh, goodies yeah and a and b already sold out there in germany yeah he, that, he hasn't so. even released side c yet it's sold out pre-sold out both a and b so he'll probably sell oh, out wow. c and then together we're working together to come up with this steel book and um and it's going to be that. like an ultimate collector's edition right. style T.O.K. This will be a really awesome piece. Well, before we start getting into more of the oh, – I'm sorry. If you had something else, go ahead, Todd. I'm not trying to cut you off. Or Chris. I was going to ask him. That will be exclusively on the website also? Yeah, it will be on uh, theorphankillerstore.com. There's a few DVDs left there. Uh, we, we made more of those. Uh, and, and those are really actually great quality, and they come with a soundtrack. But the Orphan Killer Store is where you can get it, uh, theorphankillerstore.com, and then you can always check out theorphankiller.com or Facebook. We're posting stuff there. We've got so much merch going up. Um, like over the next you know, week, we're going to have 30 different shirts and you know, uh, iPhone. skateboard, iPhone covers, and all kinds of stuff. Well, since you brought up merchandise, let's, let's go ahead and get into merchandise for a minute. Um, for one, I think it was a brilliant idea for you guys to incorporate the soundtrack as a disc, you know, in the DVD set. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Bullet Tooth to get the bands that you got, and what made you decide to include the DVD as part of the set instead of uh, selling it on the side? Because, we, you know, most studios, and again, I know you're not a studio, but most studios would have gone the double-dip way and charged you 19.99 for the DVD and then 19.99 for the CD. What what kind of led to those choices? Well, um Diane actually, she knows about how we actually made the connection to get to Bullet Tooth. I'll let her tell you about that. Um I just okay. have a, a really good family friend <clears throat> who um watched the film originally before we, you know, were ready to sort of put music in and um he knew the guy at Bullet Tooth who's a Jersey guy and um he watched the film and, you know, loved it and wanted to get these bands in it. So uh, we decided, okay, these these are the bands that we love. We want to put the music in, and you want to take it from there? He sent me, you know, samples. He was like, check out First Blood, Affiance, check out, um, you know, Deception of a Ghost, um, check out all these bands that are awesome, Walls of Jericho. Um, and, and I was just, I was blown away because really I hadn't, I hadn't listened to these bands you know, before that, and I was fucking like, oh, my God, these bands are out of control. Like, First Blood, it just speaks T.O.K.'s language perfectly. It, it amps the energy in the film. It, um, and the violence. It triggers yeah. the, I think it triggers the yeah. violence. I like the hardcore metal in it. Uh, some people give me – I occasionally get a little bit of flack. It's either hate or love, I think, on that one. Um, but most people that are into the horror genre and into this kind of hardcore slasher thing, they really think it's cool, contemporary, and a step in, in the right direction. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we decided to put the music with the DVD instead of making it separate, because this movie is is that metal music, and it is that feeling and that rage that we wanted people to have. So why not have the awesome soundtrack with the interludes from the film in between it so that they can enjoy it in their car, on their mar- iPod, whatever. Mar- Marketing-wise, you, you really have to. I mean, like you said, we're not a studio. Like, people at first... Now, I mean, it's actually grown since we did this release. People at first were like, they didn't know who we were. You know, they didn't understand. So I think that the soundtrack being included helped them to say, well, 
if I don't like the movie or whatever, I get a soundtrack out of it, and I know some of those bands. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Honestly, so I mean, being the back out of this mother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I knew I knew they liked the film, but I had to throw something in to say, hey, just check this thing out, and that was sort of like a gift to say thanks for, you know, actually checking this out, putting your money out on something that you don't immediately recognize, because uh, a lot there's a lot of films made, you know, and there's a lot of horror films made, not that are the orphan killer, but that are horror films that are, you know, pretty good films. Um, and, and the only thing that separates those films from the orphan killer is somebody watching them. You know, I have to get people to look at it and check it out, and, you know, that that's what happened. You know, the soundtrack helped to, um, to get people to come in and purchase the film. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know... Of course, you know, if you guys have been listening, you know, you heard Cannibal Corpse before you came on. Big metal fan myself. And, yep. you know, the thing that the thing that really intrigued me about the, the soundtrack was um, I had not heard of any of the other bands on the soundtrack except for Born of Osiris. Right. And I loved some Born of Osiris, let me tell you. But yeah. I, you know, I, I can't lie to you. My favorite song on the whole CD is track eight, A Bullet uh, by, uh, what is it, A Bullet for a Pretty Boy, The Deceiver. Yeah, uh-huh. to me that that is just the song on the soundtrack. I like that. I like um, a new revolution. I like head against the wall. Yes, that's a good. I mean, there's not a bad song on the soundtrack, you know. And that's you know that's not kissing ass. I mean, that's I just think it's great metal. It is. It's a nice combination. Yeah, we're really happy to have them a part of it. Really pleased and flattered and honored that they wanted to all do it. I was happy because I was like, anything I sort of wanted to do with that, I built in those interludes and the soundtrack where you hear Marcus talking and stuff, which I'd always thought was kind of fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it reminds me a lot of a, um, a gore metal band called, um, oh, why am I, Mor- uh, Mortician. That's what they okay. did. Okay. They, they, put, they put a lot of horror tracks before their songs as well. Yeah, but um, sticking, oh yeah, I mean it helps set the tone for the whole thing, right? But sticking with merchandise now, um, of course, you know I've seen the T-shirts, you know you guys have magazines, posters, all of this cool stuff. Two items in particular that I find really intriguing and want you guys to talk about. First, tell us about the Marcus Miller mask, and is it going to be in stores for Halloween? Well, yes. Um, right now, it's in Morris Costume Shops, and I believe it's going to be making its. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be making its way into Spirit, Halloween Town, um, Hot Topic. It's supposed to be in shortly too. Um, all for Halloween. Is all that for hot Halloween. Topic, is, are those hot topics everywhere, or just in your area? You know that that's a question that I'm still trying to get answered. Um, hot Topic is is on is on it. It's you know 100% go. It just depends on how many stores it's going to be in. Um, now, if you really want to get your hands on them and you're like, I want to make sure that I have one, just go to the Orphan Killer store, get it there, theorphankillerstore.com, and buy it there because, you know, we're autographing the inside of some of those too and sending them out, and I just I just know you're going to get it there because I think they're going to sell out in the stores really fast. They're going to be just gone, you know? Um, oh, I agree. I mean, I think they're high-quality masks. You know, of course, you know, I have one. And I have it uh, sitting on my dresser, staring at people when it comes in. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome, sweet. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it should be dropping like in Spirit and Halloween Town and Hot Topic. Um, middle mid September, I think, is when they get their Halloween masks in and they start selling well, them. End of August, it's supposed to be shipped there, and now beginning of September, they pop up the shops for like Halloween Town, Spirit. You know how they do that? They pop up those shops, so it should be in in some of those. I, like I said, I can't guarantee how many. 
like it might be only like three or four maps in each city, you know. Um, so if you see it, grab it. Yeah, if you see one, just grab <laughs> it's it. It's going to be gone. Right. <laughs> well, now the other the other piece that I find extremely interesting, and um, I think it looks incredible. I still need to order mine. Tell us about the, the figure from Freakland Shop. Oh yeah, Freakland. Those guys are great. That They're, thing is amazing looking. I know. I've, I'm actually. I have one. Uh, Diane and I. We have um, over the next few years. We have some studio time. We're going to be doing some photo shoots and stuff with the figure. It's it's hot. It's hot. It, 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 in Spain, you know, they really know how to put together a nice looking, you know, figure. Nice pieces. They do busts. They've got. They've got some awesome stuff at Freakland. They got like a George A. Romero bust. They got like Critters, the original uh, little Critters. Um, very, very, film. very talented artists. And this guy is mean looking. This T.O.K. Like we we love this guy. He's super, super cool. And um, I don't know, just bloody as hell. I don't even know how they did it. Well, yeah, but. you know, it's it's nice. It's about you know, it's it's at least 12 inches, maybe taller. And it's it, they did a really nice thing where at the base. You can take it off the base. You know, it's got, like, the holes in the bottom of the foot where you can actually, like, you know, snap it back onto the base, and the base is, like, this kind of you know, gross, like, linoleum floor with, like, with blood. blood. With, like, blood on it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, you can take him off if you want him off that floor and, you know, put him little yeah. places and then put him back on if you want. <laughs> <laughs> However you want to play with him, you can play with him. However you want to play with <laughs> T.O.K., you can. He's, he's, it's fun. And you're right. It is a cool piece. You know, um, I, they sent it to me. Those guys are real. Um don't, there's, I don't think there's any concern about um, ordering from them and receiving the product. I think it'll take them a couple of weeks to get it to you because they're kind of like made sort of on demand. They've got the mold, then they make them, they paint it, and they send it to you, and it's all hand done. And they sent me, I think, 200 little mini posters that Diane and I autographed and mailed back to them that come in the box with the figure. Nice. Very, very nice. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Since we have the Marcus figure, I mean, and it seems like the popularity in toys are like the the dioramas. What are the chances of us getting a baby sister figure? Yeah, right. That's the next. Ooh la uh, la. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that would sell out quicker you're than getting the Marcus into, ones. You're getting you're getting into sequel territory now, dude. Um, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, you know. Yeah, I, I you know what I'm gonna demand a baby sister <laughs> doll. Well, like. like <laughs> To me, the, the ultimate set piece is that if if you were going to do a diorama from the Orphan Killer, I would either have the one where Marcus has the priest tied to the chair before he cuts his arm off, or yeah. I would have the one or the one where it's baby sister and Marcus, and she's tied up by the barbed wire with the crown of thorns on her head, with him uh, like standing yeah. over her. Yeah, the, to that me, whole... those were the two scenes that jumped out at me. I was like, if I was going to do a diorama, that would be it. That's, yeah. that's awesome. That'd be a great. You scene. should get on it, Dead Man. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the marketing rights for you guys. You know, I mean, I, I can throw the ideas out. Todd, Chris, please jump in. Well, speaking of that, though, you know, actually, baby sister dolls and baby sister stuff. I mean, there's so many great artists too that I'd love to mention that uh, we've met uh, through social media, like Master Chuck Kunkel, who's done some really incredible TOK art. Um, we have Toby Bagley, who's Anthrax on Twitter. She's done really cool stuff. Um, oh, my gosh, all kinds of people. Art DeBarro, who else, Matt? There's just, like, tons and no, tons of people. No, there's a lot of people making art and stuff. But Freakland did a great job with that. And, you know, Trick or Treat Studios did a good job, I believe, with the mask and creating, you know, something that's uh, 
that's, you know, really representative of the Orphan Killer and also is comfortable. You know, it feels good when you put it on and, you know, you you, you really, I, I like to put it on and, and just wear it and just, you know, it breathes well and you feel like you're the Orphan Killer when you put it on, you know, you're seeing through those eyes and that's really what's key is that when you look in the mirror and you got that mask on that you feel that you're going to scare people and you do scare people when you put that thing on. It is, um... It's not like Michael Myers or, you know, Jason or one of those masks where when you put it on, people instantly, rec- there's instant recognition there. Like, it's been, right. it's like. Yeah, everybody it's, knows who that it's is. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But it's older, and it's been done, and people understand, they know what it is. When you see that orphan killer mask coming at you, and you don't know what it is exactly, <laughs> or what you're just like, this is really scaring me right now, because I don't know what this is, and. And so it has that allure to it, you know, that, that first initial scare that's still there for people, and I think that's why it's going to be really big this Halloween. Oh, I, I think so, too. I mean, I think it's an, it's an amazing piece. Um, you, know, you know, like I said, with the, ma- you know, the masks, the CDs, all of that. Um, of course, you know, since you said the, the dreaded S word, I'll, I'll, we'll talk sequels in a second. I want to make sure that Todd and Chris don't have any questions since they're being awful quiet. Todd, Chris? Are you alive? Did Marcus get you? <laughs> yeah, Marcus might have got him. <laughs> I heard you survived. You barely made it, though. What happened there? Oh anyway? yeah, man. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put some pictures up. Yeah, uh, it was kind of cool being the first guy to interview Marcus like that. But man, he's got a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I should I shouldn't have taunted him that bad, but I, I've warned him, and I know Marcus is listening. Hey, Marcus, you can't kill what's already dead. You better hope. <laughs> You better hope that father and baby sister finish you off if there's a sequel, because if not, I will come find you. Oh. Yeah, you, like you heard them. it here first on the calling hours, ladies and gentlemen. Come on back, Marcus. We, we can do this a second time. <laughs> I, I'm ready for it this time. Hey, Todd, Chris, you guys got – come on, guys. Ask him something. You, you covered everything, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I okay, well, here, I, I got one. I, I know this will get your guys' dander up then. I know you'll want to jump in at the end of this one. All right, let's give them something to talk about, guys. Let's talk about the censorship thing. Are you still surprised that in today's day and age you still have companies and, and countries that are trying to ban the film or don't want to release the film? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, uh, you know, I... What can I say? It's um, people are still small, you know. I guess a smaller-minded, you know, mentality out there in certain places. People who I, who are the people anyway? Like, do you know? Like, who are the people? Yeah, that, who are the people making these decisions? The fuck is like, that who tells me down? what I can watch. <laughs> I want to see this person, and and I want to. I'm not going to tell you what I want to do to him, but I want to hey, know. We're, we're not on it? regular radio, man. Speak your mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like who is sitting down and sitting and going, judging the film and saying, hmm, no, you know, I don't know about I this. Know. I, don't I know. I think those people really my need child to be fired. That. It's, not, it's, not, it's not appropriate. They're, you know, they're hurting people here. And, you know, I mean, I don't get it. Like, it's a fucking slasher movie. What is the big deal? You know, I guess because of the acting and because it's so powerful and because it feels realistic in areas, you know, there's a mainstream you know, it's a thing out. I don't know what it is, but they just can't get their head around it. And it, it's so powerful that obviously this really impacts them. And they say, I was scared, and I think this is. And we have to ban your movie for to, glorification of violence. Right, because we're afraid that it's going to endanger our youth. 
Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it's, if, I don't know if you guys saw it. It was on, um, uh, it was on the BBC, and I think we talked about this on, um, yeah, we talked about this on Creep Show Radio on Chris and Todd's show that over in Italy they were banning the remake of Maniac based basically on what you guys just said, saying that it wasn't feasible basically for public consumption. Right, they did that in New Zealand too, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know that. How do you how do you you know, how do you deal with people that are are that small minded? But then they, but then they'll let, you know, you know, beer ads run to your, you know, three year old on football games, you know, until they're eighteen and just, you know, immediately ready to, to party. I mean, you know, it's crazy to me. Like it's an art form, you know? It it, it it's weird. I, I don't know how to change that but you know, I think it's pretty pretty unfair. Um, you know, art is art, and people should just really take it as that. that you know, people just sometimes people just have such a thin skin for that kind of thing. You know. Oh, I mean, I agree, Todd, Chris. I know, um, I know you two aren't on censorship. Let's hear what you guys got to say. <laughs> and in this day and age, to censor a movie or ban an ally in any territory makes so so little sense. I mean, that's that basically encourages piracy in that territory because they're already hearing about it on Facebook. They want to see it. They want to see it uncut, and they can't legally get it in their area. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We just had we just had this conversation with a fan on Facebook because they love the movie. They pirated the film. You know, they told us that, and they're like. I have to. I, I, is there any another pirate I can get it from? Because I gotta get it off my computer because my parents won't let me watch it. So I gotta go download it from an illegal site and then get off of it and then try and get it on another illegal site. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's crazy. Germany. It's in Germany. The, the kid, the kid messaged me actually, and he said I have to go in and download it. It's the easiest way for me. The site that I put, the site that is pirating my movie, okay, giving it to people for free. Decided it was too violent and took it down. This kid messaged me to tell me that and said, Is there anywhere else I can watch it for free? Because my parents won't let me see it. And so it's easier for me to download it, watch it, and delete the history on my computer so they can't see that I've seen it. It's sad that it's, that it's like that in places. Isn't that sad? Now, there's three and a half million illegal downloads of The Orphan Killer at this stage. Well, in, in, in one way, I did hear from a filmmaker you've never truly made it in the movie industry and see a movie from pirates. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about like piracy being a good thing, and and I, I'm not. I've never been against like people wanting to preview the film and say go and buy it, especially in this market, because we know that like horror fans are just awesome. I mean, if they like something, they stand behind it. They they usually they go out and they buy it, even if they pirated the film. You know, they they do pick it up and and they they want that Blu-ray, they want that special edition, they want special features, they want to know about it, and they're interested in it. They want the mask and things of that nature. So we're lucky enough that we are definitely still a group who enjoys our packaged media. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and con and, and and merchandise. And and so, yeah. I mean, and for us, the illegal download obviously got the word out of about our film. So. We don't look at as it as a bad thing, you know. Well, it's not totally negative, although I do think that there are a lot of people out there that couldn't get a hold of this movie, 
uh, right when it was initially put out because they didn't know to go to the orphan killer store. They didn't quite trust it or whatever, you know, and so they did go and pirate it. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those people don't come back sometimes and buy. But now that it's on iTunes, it's it's flourishing, it's doing really well, and, you know, people know about the movie, so we're we're pretty happy. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to – I didn't want to implement the piracy was a good thing because, you know, in a lot of ways it's not. But, uh, you know, as a, for, for what – I talked to a filmmaker years ago who basically said, like, you know, when your movie's important enough for somebody to feel the need to upload it somewhere to share it with the world and other people start doing it too, that's when you know you've made it as a filmmaker because everybody's trying to get something. Hell yeah. yeah we totally true. agree. There is so much content out there now that – Really, we feel like, hey, if that many people wanted to see our film, we're really pleased because they give a shit about it, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. I, I, well, and, and like I, I said, you know, it's it's like you guys said. There are so many claims to this is the next great horror movie, this is the next this, and this is the next that. You know, I think part of what makes The Orphan Killer that is the fact that you guys didn't cave into media pressure. You didn't cave into a studio. You brought us a unique character with a unique twist. You know, we cared about what happened to Baby Sister by the end of the movie. You know, you managed to hit on a lot of those things that a lot of modern horror films seem seem to forget. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of hands in the pot when they're making those, those studios, you know, and there. There's a lot of influence from people who probably shouldn't have influence, you know what I'm saying? Like people with you know, deeper pockets that sometimes are not as creative. And I think that, you know, not that people with deep pockets are not creative. Some are, but, you know, there's a lot of hands there going into the making of a picture. I know when I was talking to different companies and stuff, big companies, they were all saying, you know, so-and-so's got to be in the edit room. And, you know, this is a guy who's just in acquisitions. I mean, he acquires films. You know, he doesn't edit them or anything, but here he is going into the edit suite to give his, you know, two cents. And I just think that that's, Probably, you know... That's no longer art, really. That's not, yeah, I mean, you're, you're losing... Like, I like to keep it unique. Um, that's why I did a lot of jobs in the movie. You know, um, I, I knew that... The problem I had each, at each point, you know, there's a Peter principle where you go, look, am I have I gone too far? Have I done too many jobs in this movie? And the fact was is that I really couldn't find anybody more qualified than myself to do the editing, the shooting, the writing... The producing, the foley, the foley—I mean, like everything on the film. Like as much, like let's put it this way: maybe not even as talented, but, it, but maybe just the passion that I had for it. I think uh, made me really work hard on it. And I was taught to edit by Robert Brown, who cut Lethal Weapon, he cut The Lost Boys, he cut the um, original original Amityville, um, he cut big movies, and he taught me how to edit. So you know, who am I going to hire? You know, who am I going to go out there and try to find and pay a small fee to for this independent film that's going to really do it a whole lot of justice. The fact is I just had to sit down and do it myself. And I'm really happy that I did, and I'd like to keep it that way because it keeps it uniform, it keeps it unique, it keeps it one kind of pure vision. And Diane and I really know what we want to see. We know what the fans want to see, and we're thinking of them first when we make this when we make these films. Nice, nice. Uh, well, I mean, going along with that now, with everything that we've seen with The Orphan Killer, you know, for those of us that have seen it, know how it ends. You know, obviously we've said the word sequel. Are there plans for a sequel? I mean, what what are what are we looking at now with Marcus? Is he just going to stay in hiding for a while? I recommend it. Cause if I run into, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, brother. Um, I think he's coming out of hiding, and um, I think he's going to be more vicious than ever before. In fact, 
think he's going to have a partner in part of that viciousness. So, um, actually, I'll, I'll say this now. Marcus Miller, the orphan killer, and myself and Diane are going to be the cover of Scream Magazine UK this Halloween. Um, Very nice. And that magazine will be talking about the sequel. It's going to be giving some new concepts that we're coming up with and, and how it's going to all lay out. Um, I've written a majority of that, and, uh, you know, we are going to be, we plan on going into production on that either early winter or late winter. Um, reason being is time of year is key for this. Uh, it's a dead, bleak look. It is um, just pre-snow, uh, you know, when everything is just dead, there's nothing there. It's just it, no, no, no signs of life. Um, sort of feel to the atmosphere. And so that's obviously either early winter, talking New Jersey, or late winter after things are, you know, starting to, um, you know, thaw out. So that's when we're looking at doing it. And, um, you know, in this one, baby sister is, uh, you know, you know what she is. She's got, uh, she's got a little something in the bloodline. I mean, she is, she was an orphan. She is, a Miller. Uh, is a Miller. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that she just needs one more lesson. And I think that lesson needs to be taught through even more vulgar and more unimaginable pain. And I think that that's going to happen. And I think that baby sister is going to come out of it not looking like baby sister. I think she'll still be salacious. But I think that she's going to be a very different person. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay, my last question, and then... Todd and Chris, you better come up with last questions because I, 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 I feel bad that you're sitting. Go ahead. Uh, you want me to jump mine in now? Go for it, man. Okay. Well, you brought up modern horror earlier, and I was just curious, what what modern horror out there right now, on you know, last few years, whatever, do you do you enjoy? I mean, has there been anything? Are you asking me personally, or are you asking them? No, I'm asking them. <laughs> He's asking us. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I um, I haven't I. I, I haven't watched anything. I'm gonna be honest. I, I haven't. Um, I've only watched older films. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, we're really. I think I've watched. Moment. I think I've watched The Exorcist. Again, I think I've watched. Again and again and again and I think, again. <laughs> I think I've watched. I think I've watched Jaws a few times. I think I've watched. I mean, I, I don't. I I really. I've never seen, like, any of the modern contemporary movies. I've never seen like, any of those. Like. Who who are the guys like? Um, I mean, like the new the new guy. I never I've never seen any of the new slasher films, uh, to be honest with you. And I, I the only ones I really watch are I'll watch them on the Friday the Thirteenth. That pops up, you bet. I'm just gonna sit down and sit there and be like, okay, here we go. I'm gonna watch it. And then you know, any Halloween movie pops up, I'm watching it. Any Nightmare on Elm Street older versions pop up, I'm watching it. But I didn't I mean, even like a lot of foreign horror. Yeah, we like, you know, we like, Italian like... Italian horror. I'll go to, like, see, like, Red Lights. If anything, Argento pops up, I'll watch it. Um, there, we anything, there we go. There we go. That's like, what I like to hear. Yeah, so, like, anything like that. Like, I, I In fact, i got to check out some other films. Like, there's some films I haven't seen that I need to check out. So I really try to stay in that old-school type of um, feeling and just sort of put my own spin on it, my own, my own feeling and life into it because, you know, I am... Um, you know, I'm a younger filmmaker, and I, I, in some ways, and so I just try to put my own feeling into that, and try to keep, don't try to keep up with the times necessarily. I just want to make a good movie, and I like the '80s. I like that feeling, and I like, I like the look of of those films, and so that's what I do. I, I'm trying to think of anything I've seen. 
no, the argument that I, I tend to find myself watching the same ones from that era over and over. Although yeah. I do, due to the radio show, I have to watch a lot more newer stuff that I would on my own mm-hmm. or at the past few years. Some stuff we get surprised though. I, I mean, I like it. Yeah, that that is true. But there, 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 sometimes there, there, we'll <laughs> see, like I mean, a lot of times we'll see um, movies, you know, at the independent theaters. We're big supporters of independent film. Um, so, but they're not always horror. You know, they're all kinds of different uh, genres. So, but really, I think we both find ourselves watching those kinds of movies. Now, do you guys? Let me ask. I mean, outside of the orphan killer, of course, do you guys can see? Do you guys see yourselves continuing in the horror genre outside of Marcus? Um, you know, I don't know about that. I really couldn't say. Uh, probably. I mean, my films are always going to be intense and violent. I mean, Iowa is a violent and intense film, you know. I didn't just make The Orphan Killer. You know, I made Iowa, which was at Tribeca Film Festival in 2005, yeah. and it was theatric- theatrically released all over the United States and... You know, so, I mean, and it's a drama. You know, it's a crystal meth drama. Of course I had to have sick violence in it. Um, I would never not have that in there. So, you know, people kind of it walks a fine line with me. I think that, you know, you talk about, like, uh, Cronenberg or somebody like that who, like, a history. Did he do a history of violence? That's Cronenberg, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, I love that guy. Like, you know, I mean, like, I get into his movies. They're just so intense, you know. And so I think whatever I make, it's going to be intense, probably. We have some other ideas, too, about... Um, I got I got a movie. Other... Um, yeah, I mean, I got a movie I wrote called... Like, I'm kind of those guys where I wrote... I, I write a lot. Like, I'll go, like, like in the fits of writing for, like, Month. you know, for, like, a couple months, and I'll write something. I wrote a movie called Royal Punk, and I wrote that 12 years ago. And I'm just waiting to make that, and it's a it's a crazy, it's a great, great psycho, movie. you know, punk uh, tattoo uh, desert. desert, you know, just sort of psycho murder mystery um, movie, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I do hope to make that, you know. Um, so you know, there is stuff outside of the Orphan Killer, but for right now, I'm pretty focused on TOK. But I have been approached by, you know, companies to direct thrillers and direct other films, and you know, big budget movies, you know, five million dollar pictures, but. Um, I just, you know, we're talking with those same companies about, you know, putting the Orphan Killer sequel out, and they want to make it a trilogy. So we're talking a two and a three, and, and that's really where my sights are set in the immediate future. Nice, nice. Todd, Chris, any any final questions for Matt and Diane? Chris, uh, I, I, I really got nothing. I am more of a statement. It's just glad to. I'm glad that you know filmmakers out there are today are doing what you guys are doing. Um, you know, because as much as I love Freddie, Jason, and Mike Myers, they've had their runs. We need some new new, uh, new blood coming through and uh, bringing forth the horror again. Because, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're great to go back and revisit, but, you know, let's be real here. Uh, the last movies that they were in weren't exactly well received by fans, so that's a big place to go. Amen, brother. I love hearing you say that. That is exactly the way that we feel. You know, they we, we love those horror icons, too, but... Yeah, I mean they've had their run and they've had their time in, in the in the limelight, and you know it's it's time for new blood to come up. And we've definitely shown that people love T.O.K. and Marcus Miller, so uh, we hope to bring that and that you know it'll just keep being as well received as it's been. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, I I wish that more people out there would have an ego like yours that just was willing to say I love those things, but there is something new. Because I mean I do get attacked a lot, you know. Yeah, um, no doubt. <laughs> you know, on a daily basis about it, you know. I, look, I'm I wasn't I'm not trying to you know take over, 
you know, those those characters and stuff. But I was trying to come up with something new out of that frustration of not having something new, to be honest. And just the way you feel right now, I was trying to fill that void. And I think I did a pretty good job of it. And I just want people to give it a chance and go out there and watch The Orphan Killer. Check it out because it is a really good movie. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's made with a lot of passion. It's not a tiny budget. It's got a nice budget, good effects. And, um, you and know, fans that love it are saying he is the new horror icon, so embrace that. Really yeah. embrace it. Not just in America, but all over the world, you know, people are saying it's, it's a horror icon. It wasn't even released or even attempted to be released in Germany, and they were sending me letters saying, don't even try. That, <laughs> that's kind of how powerful the movie is. So go see it. You know, Go check it out. Highly recommend it. Well, I got a buddy of mine on Facebook who my buddy Calvin wanted me to ask you before I let you guys go. He's a big skateboarding fan, and you mentioned the skateboard as one as a piece of the merchandise. Can you tell us a little bit about the skateboard? Yeah, I'm, I'm making like three skateboards. Um, I'm doing a baby sister, uh, and it's the uh, it's that red photo of Di- have you seen the pink photo of Diane like with the fishnets on standing on the bed. Topless. Have you seen I that one? I think I've seen that one. I have so mm-hmm. many pictures of you and Diane right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I do. We're I have making a, a file folder that's yeah. probably got 300 pictures. It's going to be the baby pictures. skateboard. And what is, what, what is, I'm, what doing, is I'm doing a Marcus skateboard. Um, I'm doing a Cruel Creator. I'm doing like three or four different no, boards. No, but Baby Sister is Nobody Rides Better, Baby Sister. Nothing, right, <laughs> nothing, nothing rides better. Nothing rides better. Um, <laughs> ba- the Baby Sister skateboard. And it's going to be, you know... One of those ones where you're going to have to just check out Facebook, check out the post there, because it's going to be up there like in the next couple of days. So go to Facebook, because it's not going to be available on the official store, because I'm, okay. having it, I'm having it made outside of the official store. So check out the social media, Twitter and Facebook to find that. Okay, one last question just popped up. Who wins in a fight? Baby from uh, the Devil's Rejects or Baby Sister from the Orphan Killer? Uh, I mean... Definitely, let's say this, um, after TOK2, um, Baby from Devil's Rejects would be fed her own intestines uh, by Baby <laughs> while she watched and whimpered. I'm telling you, it's going to be out of control. Let's do that in TOK2. Let's have her in there would, would she, and let's would, do it. <laughs> yeah, right? I would love to get her in a film. Now, they're, they're incredible, by the way. You know, uh, that's, um, is that Rob Zombie's wife? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sherry Moon. She, um, Rob, Rob played the 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 film at a concert in New Jersey, um, and so he's he's a fan of the movie. I mean, it, it, he projected it on the Twins of Evil tour with um, Marilyn Manson. So, man, would I love to get her and and him in something. I don't know if he does any acting, but that would sure be fun. That would be sweet. Well, mm-hmm. Matt and Diane. Uh, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, from Horror Society, everybody. Thank you for coming on to the show. At any time, please feel free to contact me if you guys want to be on the show again. If you need anything covered whatsoever, please drop us a line. You have a home here. For those of you that have not gone out and seen The Orphan Killer yet, please do so. And make sure to visit both Diane and Matt on their social medias on Facebook and Twitter. And make sure to hit theorphankiller.com. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cruel, cruel love to you. We're so happy to be part of the Horror Society family. It was our cruel, cruel pleasure, my brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Peace out. Bye-bye. Peace out. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Matt Farnsworth and Diane Foster from The Orphan Killer. At this time, we're going to take another small four-minute break. We're going to do our next Metal Mayhem 
This is Cannibal Corpse encased in concrete. Some of you are wondering why we're listening to Rage and Death Metal. I think I should let you all know that Metal Blade Records is one of the sponsors of the show, and they're kind enough to allow us to to use their their music. So being a big death metal fan that I am, I chose Cannibal Corpse to be the first band in the spotlight. For those of you, uh, do you guys listen to Cannibal Corpse at all? Are you guys death metal fans, or am I killing you with the music? Uh, it's not my genre of music. 
<laughs> well, just to throw it out there, for those of you who don't know, Cannibal Corpse is an American death metal band. They formed in Buffalo, New York in 1988. To this point, they have 12 studio albums, two box sets, four video albums, and one live album. Uh, they were the one of the first death metal bands. I believe it was in 2003. They were the first death metal band, I believe, to sell one million total album copies. So to those of you that say death metal and black metal are nothing but crap, you're wrong. So to get past that, and there will be a little bit more metal mayhem as we close the show. But this evening we have one last item that we need to go over. Our good friends over at Scream Factory sent us out copies of their release that came out today, Cockneys vs. Zombies. Now, before we even get into that, we have a Blu-ray giveaway. For those of you that are listening, if you would like to win a Blu-ray copy of Cockneys vs. Zombies, please be the first caller at 347 347- Two three seven five zero nine nine, and we will send a copy out to you, gentlemen. What did you think of Cockneys versus Zombies? Well, since Chris being a huge zombie fan, he is. I'm going to let him go first on this one because we actually watched it today, and we have not said a single word about the film on our opinion. Yeah. This will be our first time hearing what the other has to say, so I'm letting him go first. Uh, you know, it's um. Uh, obviously, the, the UK uh, has been uh, churning out quite a bit in the last few years, ever since uh, 2003, 2004, when Shaun of the Dead was released. Um, we see quite a surge of, of uh, UK horror films, and uh, in almost kind of its own subgenre, UK zombie films, European zombie films that are coming from the UK, um, have been kind of a thing for a while, too. And, uh, you know, when I... I uh, I heard about Cockneys versus Zombies. Um, at first, I didn't get the title. No idea what a Cockney was. I had to look that up because I was like, whoa, what's this? Is this a porno? What's going on? <laughs> so, you know, I keep talking. I, I, I jump my, my mind goes, got it. Um, and, you know, I saw the trailer and it looked, it looked like an interesting port. So I was like, okay, I'll check it out, you know, when it comes out. And we watched it today, you know, I, I, I got to say that I didn't like it, but I wouldn't tell anybody that I loved it. I thought it was it was pretty decent. Um, you know, but it, it it's fallen into the kind of trap that a lot of zombie films have fallen into, with the exception of involving a cast of elderly people. It really hasn't done anything that other zombie movies haven't done before. And that's kind of a, uh, uh, a trap that a lot of these are falling into. Uh, they're really just getting by with the uh, burned by the numbers uh, plot and, you know, plot points that every other zombie film utilizes and, you know, they're being... Uh, it's being done. The quality of the film is amazing. It's really, it's a really well done movie. As most of the UK zombie films I've seen, with the exception of like a, a handful, uh, they're usually shot very well. They're usually done, acted very well. Special effects are always handled very well. All that stuff is, is utilized uh, appropriately. Um, you know, so none of that isn't solid here. You know, and it's not. I felt like the movie was bad. I, I just don't. I can't see myself telling somebody yes buy this. I would say rent it first before you sit down and buy it because it, it is one of those like you might find yourself being bored of it because you could be telling yourself then they're done that. There were a couple of funny bits that I thought uh, were great at first but then kind of wore up their welcome the old man with the walker 
I thought was really funny in the first, like, ten seconds, and then it lasted for, like, a minute and a half. And I'm like, all right, this stuff is funny. You're talking about the one where where he's chasing him after his nap? Yeah, and he, and he gets out, you know, and like I said, the first 10 seconds seeing it was hilarious. I was like, wow, this is actually funny. <laughs> but then they just kept cutting back to him, running from a bigger, a growing crowd of zombies, and you're just kind of going... See, I thought that's what I thought was funny, the kids went back to. No, I, didn't, I, thought it was, I thought it was funny, like, showing it, but then going back to it, I thought it was just old. Part of the fun. Yeah. All right, so what did you think of the movie, Todd? Uh, well, I think I liked it a little bit better than Chris. Um... Because I found myself laughing out loud quite a few times throughout. And you know, like Chris already covered, it was really well made, like most, you know, UK zombie flicks. Um, I mean, my only thing is, I think, uh, you know, for an Amer- American audience, the, the slang and the accents are a little bit thicker than most. Yeah, it's like watching train spotting. <laughs> Yeah, which doesn't bother me, but I know that that might be one thing that distracts, you know, most, you know, the average American film watching audience. I thought it was really good. Um, I really enjoyed it, and it's something I could see myself revisiting, you know, six months down the line. But not something I would like. I want to watch you know, next week. All right, now, now, I thought the movie was was pretty good. Um, I think the obvious comparison is is it gets compared to Shaun of the Dead. Now, let me ask you guys this. Other than it being a zombie movie and there being comedic elements, because I feel like Shaun of the Dead was more of a comedy, do you feel like the movie may be getting an unfair comparison to Shaun of the Dead? Or if you even liked Shaun of the Dead? Oh, well, Shaun of the Dead is... I flip flop between that and Return of the Living Dead as my all-time favorite horror comedy. Just oh, I'm going to cut you off for one second. I believe we have a DVD winner. Hold on. Hello, <laughs> caller. You're on the calling hours with the dead man, Chris and Todd. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The movie sounds pretty sweet. It, I thought it was pretty good. Um, can you tell us your name? Yeah, it's Mike. Hi, Mike. Well, I tell you what you do. If you send me an email at slit okay. of the wrist fx at yahoo dot com. What's that? You said slit or split. Slit S L I T. Okay. Slit of the split. Slit of the wrist. <laughs> fx at yahoo.com uh huh mm-hmm. if you send me your mailing address I will have your blu-ray copy of Cockneys and Zombies sent out to you no way pretty sweet alright no problem how'd you hear about the show man oh I was just kind of browsing on like a horror society you know so I figured check out the radio show excellent man well we appreciate your support Listen to us. Uh, listen to us every week Tuesday at the same time, and visit us at Horse Society, man. Thank you for listening. I will. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Okay, Tom, go ahead. It's great oh, to have I, a winner I, I, on the first show. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the comparison to Sean. Yeah, comparison to Sean and the Dead. I wonder if that's the American critics and stuff, because other than. Like what you said about there's zombies, there's a little bit of comedy, and they have British accents. I, I don't think they're even, 
they're not the they're different films. Yeah, they're not the same ballpark. Though. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, I, I agree. I definitely feel like they're different films. Um, <clears throat> what did you What did you think about in terms of now? One of the things that I noticed in being an effects artist, it's always going to be a pet peeve. But um, I did notice a fair amount of digital work in Zombies vs. Cockneys. What did What were your thoughts on that? You mean Cockneys vs. Zombies, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Close enough. Changing the title. Uh, <laughs> it's interchangeable. I it, yeah, I noticed it early on, and I just kind of let it go on this one for some reason. <laughs> Normally, it drives me insane, but it wasn't like horrible. It was just noticeable, and. And I don't know if it's just because I'm so used to noticing it. So I don't know how obvious right. it is to the average. But, I mean, we're not talking sci-fi bad. Not at all. Not oh, no. Bad. But, I mean... I mean, it's, I no, mean, it's no Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> Available on Blu-ray today also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you well, this, though. When it comes to the movie, what did you guys think of the cast, though? I mean, you're talking about you had Honor, you had Honor Blackman who was in Goldfinger, um, you had Alan Ford from Lockstock and Two Smoke and Barrels, you know. I mean, it's it, it definitely had an interesting cast, and you know, I thought it was kind of cool to have. We've never really seen a zombie attack from that perspective, though. I don't ever remember really seeing a group of senior citizens trapped in a home trying to escape. Well, like, I, like I said, that was. One of the things I thought was unique about it, but it was only yeah, but yeah, but if you make here's where it's like I, I understand what you're saying, but I mean I think that makes it unique enough because how much what, how much of the movie has to be unique for it? That's like watching a vampire movie. Oh, they try to kill him with stakes and use holy water and all that. That's too predictable. How much new ground is there left to cover in zombie movies? There isn't, but I just want, but you know. If I was going to go into this movie, I mean, I've read nothing but rave reviews about it. A lot of people have spoken very highly of it, said it is the next Shaun of the Dead. It is one of the best horror comics out here. And and it does a lot of things that they've never seen before. There was really nothing that substantial aside from that one thing that I felt like was really unique about it. And, yes, it's a, it's a big thing, but is it big enough? I mean, are some people going to be like, oh, yeah, old people versus zombies. That's what I've always wanted to see in a zombie movie. I think he just thought of a new zombie. <laughs> Old people were zombies. Well, I said when you know when the chick from the uh, you know a chick that was a Bond girl you know I don't know how old she is at this point she's death she's got to be in her later seventies I'm guessing but you know especially in the behind the scenes it it was funny t- it was fun to watch the other actors talking about here's this seventy seventy five year old woman out there shooting guns with the rest of the young bucks you know and and the lead actress. Um, Michelle Ryan, you know, she even makes that comment. You know, she goes, you know, she was a Bond girl. I think I, I think she knows what she's doing with a gun. And, you know, to watch her sit there and shoot it and see the reaction on her face afterwards, I mean, that was – may sound funny to say, but it was almost kind of heartwarming, you know, to see something like that. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't – I'm not saying it's a bad movie at all. I, I mean – well made, the British have a tendency to, to deliver on making well-made movies well-acted and well-scripted. I mean, there wasn't a lot of studio scratching their head going, now why in the world would they do that? Um, there were a few, like, there, you know, there was the instance of the whole, one of the characters being bitten, and uh, you know, everybody just kind of treading around like it's not a big deal. And basically, 
I think I missed something. He walks off with like two other people, and nobody thinks twice about it. And I'm like, why? Why would you, you know? He and they even say to him, you know, when you get bitten, you're going to turn into a zombie. Why would you let that guy stay in the locked warehouse where you're trying to keep the zombies out? There were those. Oh, that was point. You know, but on the wow. same token, I felt I felt like they did something really cool by earlier in the story referencing the fact that he had a metal plate in his head. You just sort of gave away a spoiler. I was trying not to. Oh, sorry. Anyone that listens to my show, anyone that knows me and listens to my shows knows they're spoilers. All right, well, my well, fault. Okay, so that, well, I get that, but at the same time, even even more of a reason to try and take care of him while he's still alive. I mean, that's, that's, that's why I'd be like, okay, he's got a metal plate in his head. We're, we might not have time or I might have the capability of dealing with this when it happens. We have to take care of it now while he's still conscious and still able to let us do this, you know, and, and, and basically go off. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I didn't think it was bad. I just, you know, I watch a lot of zombie films. And, and Chris can be a little bit overcritical when it comes to zombie films. Well, because I see something wrong with that. I, 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 I watch a lot of them, and it, it does get to a point yeah. where you're like, they're going, okay, so they're doing this again. I think and Chris can safely say he watches all of them. I pretty much do. I mean, I think Chris and I are pretty much in the same boat. How about this then, Chris? If you if you look at what's come out recently through the genre of the zombie film that's been in theaters, how do you mm-hmm. think this film would have held up in theaters versus what we have been seeing released? Well, Honestly, I don't know. I don't think it was held up well because the humor, for me, didn't really work as well as I wanted it to. And I think that's a big selling point because it looks like it's being marketed as a comedy, a horror comedy. And I think, um, you know, uh, I think people would have walked in expecting a Shaun of the Dead more than what they got, uh, uh, more of a serious note, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. it, as far as stuff that's been going to theaters, the last major zombie film was World War Z, and I mean that made. And that's an action movie. Well, I mean, I was drawing more comparisons to something like. I was drawing a comparison to something more like Warm Bodies or something. In comparison to what? I'm sorry. Uh, that movie they did called Warm Bodies, where the the boy's oh. a zombie and he he falls in love with the girl and he starts to turn human again. Well, this is, that was out in this, theaters. This can go back to what Todd said. That was unique, and I really liked that. They did something kind of different with that, and I thought that was kind of cool. Now, granted, we've seen zombie love stories before, but not in the fashion that this presented it in. It's not so much Sure, that, I'll give you that. You know, and, and I thought it was a really just kind of creative and funny story. Like, it was one, it was a movie I had to watch twice to get more of the jokes, because I think a few of them you might miss the first time or you might not really get. Uh, and there were a couple things I was like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't get the zombie Fakita or Ferrari or, you know, a sports car and, and, and trust that he would be able to drive a, a straight line, you know, like they do in the movie. Um, right. You know, I, I did, I thought that was a lot of fun. And I, I don't know if this would have held up next to that movie because, let's be honest here, that movie attracted the Twilight crowd. I mean, they aimed for that crowd. You know, they wanted to get those people on the theaters because they wanted, you know, that those dollars. I mean, that movie was, you know, the filmmakers were saying it's nothing like Twilight, but the studio is saying it's exactly like Twilight. Here's our poster that, you know, shows these two holding hands and looking into each other's eyes. And I'm like, there were a lot of people that didn't see it because they thought it's Twilight was zombies. They didn't want to see it. And I, I had to keep telling them it's really not anything like that. 
I almost kind of think they are, uh, that, uh, you know, that they tried to stay as far away from that as they could when making the movie. And I thought, I always thought it was funny because everyone kept saying the studio wanted another franchise out of Warm Bodies. They wanted another Twilight. And there's only one book. The guy only wrote the one book. And, a dude wrote that? Really? I think it was a dude. And the, um, the girl they hired to play the lead looks just like Kristen Stewart. And a lot of people think that was intentional. Yeah, but she had expression. He did, but if you look at her, there were some still of her next to Rowan. There were some points in the movie where you have to look twice and go, wait a minute, is that her stunt level? Like you don't have to like you know, but and obviously this actress has done other stuff. And forgive me for that. I can't remember her name too, but I think she's the more attractive. I think she's more attractive. I think she obviously she's a better actress. I don't know how this would have done in theaters. I mean, zombies are kind of a hit or miss thing right now. You either get a really big hit or you get a really big miss when it comes to what theatrical. I mean. Other than the two you mentioned, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. In the last few years, really nothing. I mean, World War Z and Warm Bodies were kind of where it's at. A lot of the stuff that comes out from Blu-ray. And, I mean, in comparison, if you want to compare Cockneys versus Zombies to something like, say, Zombie Master or Eaters or uh, um, anything else in the last few, even just the last year, it, it's miles better than those. Quality itself is better. Uh, we just watched Zombie Massacre recently. And a lot yeah, of I haven't that, seen that one yet. Yeah, well, you know, you don't really see it. You mostly just sit there and listen to people talk about why they don't have time to be where, where they are and why they need to get out. Every, like, 15 minutes, somebody stops and talks for 20 minutes about how they can't be there and how they need to get out. That's what the movie's about. I mean, it, you know, it's like, you're like, okay, you know, they're not bad actors, and the special effects aren't bad, but... It's the same shit over and over and over again. Like, we're really getting into, like, a, a motion of just repetitiveness that's getting really tedious and boring. And Eaters was kind of in the same boat. These two guys driving to go to this base keep stopping and talking, driving some more, stopping and talking, driving some more, throw a zombie attack and driving and talking, rinse and repeat. It wasn't like it was anything mind-blowing or anything that kept your interest. Cockneys versus zombies, at the very least, will hold your interest. I mean, at the very, very least. It has good acting. It's better than script. I guess if the humor can be a little hit or miss, it was for me. I mean, you know, but I didn't think it was a bad movie. I just thought it was... It, I found it very funny. Well, of course you did. I just... I, I enjoyed it, it as well. It was a good movie. I didn't think it was bad. I mean, I would, like I said, I would rank it pretty high up there if I was going to do a a top ten of this year. Um, but would it, it would be your top three of zombies this year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gentlemen, we we have reached the end of our show. I want to say thank you for coming on. Again tonight, my guests were Chris McGibbon and Todd Loya of Creep Show Radio. I highly recommend you go and listen to their show. Every now and then, the dead man's been known to drop in when schedule permits. Gentlemen, would you like to send out any personal thank yous real quick before we go? Well, I'd like to thank you and Horse Society for having us on tonight. And you guys are welcome anytime, and you know I'll have you back on. So, as we say goodbye to Chris and Todd, I want to thank you for listening to The Calling Hours. I want to invite you to come to Horse Society at www.horsesociety.com. And until next week, oh, actually, before then, our last Metal Mayhem for the evening from Metal Blade Records comes from next week's featured artist. The artist is Cattle Decapitation. The title of the song 
is forced gender reassignment, and this is the dead man telling you to rest in peace.